It's a great day to live for Jesus. This is the In the Word podcast with Pastor Mike Grover, a chapter-by-chapter devotional journey through the New Testament where we will browse the background, discover the doctrine, and practice the principles of God's Word for us today. One of my wife's brothers is Jim Brady, and Jim is a tremendous songwriter, and he's written so many songs with such great heartfelt messages. But to me, one of the greatest is titled, Don't Ever Lose Sight. And in that song, the lyrics say, it crossed my mind today just how my life would be had the Father's mercy not included me. And I love that song because it's a reminder to every one of us of the great mercy and love that God has demonstrated toward us. But also there's a caution in there for us to never lose sight of that. That's really what I want to talk to you about this morning over in Luke chapter number seven. I'm going to begin reading in verse 36 and it says, And one of the Pharisees desired him, or Jesus, that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, or living a sinful lifestyle, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisees, which had invited him, saw it, he spoke within himself saying, the the Pharisee spoke within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have somewhat to say to you. And he said, Master, go ahead. He said, there was a certain creditor that had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave the most. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Absolutely. Verse 44. And he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, "Um, see this woman, I entered into your house You gave me no water for my feet, but she's washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil you did not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. So he's basically saying all of these customs of hospitality that are so important, you know what? You didn't do any of them. You did the bare minimum. You brought me into your house and you're trying to find some things out. But this woman, man, she has just went above and beyond to show appreciation for me being here. And in verse 47, he said, wherefore, or in conclusion, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. This woman was a sinner with so, I mean, this woman had so much that she is consciously aware that I have forgiven. And he says, for she has loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven you. So we have this account. Now, the account of people anointing and uh, Jesus in, in the Gospels are in every single Gospel. I believe that this specific story is probably only found in Luke's Gospel and the one in Matthew, Mark and John are the same account. But I'm not really going to go into that this morning. The point of the story is this, the one who is forgiven the most loves the most. The one who is forgiven the most loves the most. 
So here's the question I asked myself and I asked you this morning. Who has been forgiven the most? You or me? Who's been forgiven the most? And the biblical answer is this. All of us have been forgiven the most. You see, what we tend to do is we tend to look at the sin um, maybe that looks bad in our eyes or in man's eyes. And we tend to look at the visible things in our life versus the things in someone else's life. But when you look at sin through the lens of doctrine and theology, you realize that every single person that was ever born is really in the same position. Simply summarize Romans 3.23, right? For all have sinned and come or fall short of the glory of God. You see, it's not me versus you in who has been forgiven the most. It's me thinking of God and his great holiness to consider how much that I have been forgiven. So to me, it's not so much about how much I have been forgiven as an individual, which is a lot, but how aware am I um, and how I remain about all that Christ has done for me. So this appreciation is not so much about how much you or I have been forgiven as an individual, but how aware do we remain about all that Jesus has done for us? How aware are we of all that Jesus has done for us? This is why I've always been such, hate the whole idea of asking Jesus in your heart. Um, I've just seen so many people, they grow up and, you know, do you know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior? Yeah, when I was a little kid, I asked Jesus in my heart. No understanding of the depth of what Christ has done or really the theology of sin and man's failure. It's really more about, you know what, I got, and I'll say this a lot at church, I got my get out of hell free ticket. And I put it in my wallet and one day I'm going to need it when I see God without that real sense of weight and awareness of all that he's done for us. See, the Bible says it's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom. And one thing that was very important to Cheryl and I in parenting our children spiritually is that we taught them the fear of the Lord. Now, to me, what that meant is I wanted to put the weight of responsibility of them one day facing God on them individually and not on me as their parent. So from a young age, I would teach our kids, one day you're going to have to stand before God. And when you do, mommy and daddy will not be there to answer for you. You have to know God for yourself. Now, that seems like a heavy weight to place on a child. But you know what? That's the beginning of wisdom. It's the awareness of my responsibility not to get Jesus in my heart. The awareness of my responsibility to be accepted by a holy God and invited into his family. And so here's this woman here. And, you know, when you think about theologically her position, and it was really no different than Simon's or no different than ours. I think Ephesians 2 summarizes it well. Listen to our condition before Christ. We were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, how much value is there in death? Um, I was a child of wrath, according to Ephesians 2, verse 3. In Ephesians 2, it says, before um, I was saved, I was without Christ. I was an alien from the people of God. I was a stranger from God. I was without hope in this world. I was without God in this world. So the reality is this, no matter how good I looked in my flesh before I came to faith in Jesus Christ, hell was my final destination. 
And hell was your final destination. And if you don't know Jesus today, hell is your final destination. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So do you just say, well, Pastor Mike, when I hear your story and how you were on drugs and how you were drinking and how you were immoral, man, I didn't grow up that way. And man, so I can understand why you are very grateful to Christ. You see, you have a bad understanding of the theology of sin and where every single one of us were out, where we were without Christ. You see, the truth is that no matter what life you lived before Christ, man, we're all in the same boat. I think of just me and my wife, Cheryl. Um, Cheryl grew up with a wonderful mother and father, Christians. Cheryl became a believer in Jesus at four years old at a young age. I became a believer in Christ at 20 years old. God saved me out of a horrible life of sin, but God saved Cheryl from a horrible life of sin. But the condition we both found ourselves in by birth, there's no different. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so it's kind of like saying this. Well, I look at you, Pastor Mike, and I think of my life. Or, or you look at two people. Let me, let me back up. You look at two people who don't know Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. It's like one of them saying about the other, I'm going to be in a much nicer part of hell than you are because I haven't done as much bad as you have done. Well, you know what? The nicest part of hell is not a desirable place to be. And if that's the benchmark or the goal, man, you are shooting way too low. Now carry that over into salvation. And you see the one person that when they got saved, maybe as an adult, maybe out of a really horrible life of sin, there's just this greater awareness maybe of what God has done. But there's a real danger for the person that perhaps came to Christ at a very young age or maybe came to Christ out of a much more moral life than another. There's a real danger to lose sight of the reality of what salvation means regardless. All have sinned. All have come short, not of man's standard, but of the glory of God. That's the standard. You see, keeping that awareness of the depth of the mercy and the goodness that God has shown toward us, that's the key to truly loving God. So the reason we drift from our love and our devotion to the Lord is that we lose sight of what he has done for us. We become complacent. We drift from the truth of scripture to the practicalities of everyday life. We look around at an awful world and we feel so good about ourselves. But you see, we shouldn't be keeping our eyes on an awful world in order to get a judgment of where we are. We need to keep our eyes on a holy, loving, merciful God and what his son Jesus Christ did for us on the cross when he absorbed the wrath of God's holiness that was intended for me and was intended for you. You see, when we keep our eyes in that perspective, don't lose sight of what Christ has done for us. So the woman in this story, she's representing all of us really. And she was very aware of her need. She was very aware of all that Christ had done for her. Simon, 
He was representing the Pharisee. He's representing the self-righteous. That probably would give a nod to the fact, yeah, I know I was a sinner and kind of nod to that, but without a real heart of gratitude and appreciation for what that truly meant. You see, he represented the Pharisee and that had lost sight of all that God had done to provide salvation and redemption since man fell in the garden. Losing sight of the the great remedy that was provided for us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So just don't lose sight. The word for the day really is this. Don't lose sight today of all that Christ has done for you. Stop right now and stop every day and remember and reflect on all that Jesus did, what he provided. And just remember and realize No matter how good the life was that you lived before you knew Christ, the final destination would have been the same for all of us. And it would have been eternal separation from God forever uh, in a place the Bible calls hell. And when you do that, man, oh man, what a gratitude, what an appreciation, what a love and devotion we can live out each day to our Father. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey through the New Testament.